Chapter 17 of The Dawn of Medieval Europe, 476 to 918, by J. H. B. Masterman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Charles, King of the Franks, 773 to 799. The story of the Saxon Wars has carried us down to nearly the end of Charles's reign. We must now return to the earlier years of it and take up the thread of general history. For some time after his conquest of the Lombard kingdom, the affairs of Italy gave the king some anxiety. Hadrian was tactless and somewhat grasping in his claims on the neighboring dukes of Italy, and something like a general conspiracy against pope and king appears to have been hatched in 775. Rothgod, duke of Friuli, the Duke of Beneventum, and the Emperor Constantine being all involved. But the Emperor died, the Duke of Beneventum hung back, and Hrothgod was left to face the Frankish power alone. The course of events that followed is somewhat obscure. Apparently Charles descended on northern Italy early in 776, slew the revolting Duke, dispersed his followers, and so reduced Lombardy once more to subjection. The supporters of Hrothgod were punished by the confiscation of their property. Scarcely had this Italian issue been laid to rest for a time when an entirely new direction was given to Charles's policy by a visit from three rebellious Saracen chiefs from Spain who came to him at Paderborn to ask for his assistance against their overlord. In 750, the Omeyad dynasty at Damascus had been overthrown by the rival faction of the Abbasides, and Abdurrahman, the only survivor of the family of the dispossessed caliphs, fled to North Africa and a few years later crossed into Spain, where a series of victories made him master of the country that had been under the rule of several mutually hostile chiefs. At Cordova, he established the capital of a Moslem kingdom that was destined to last for nearly three centuries and to leave an indelible stamp on the history of Spain. It was on behalf of the Abbaside party that Charles was now invited to intervene, and there is no reason to think that the religious motive counted for much in his decision. Perhaps Charles cherished some hope of adding Spain, or at least part of it, to his dominions. Perhaps he was led on by the mere love of adventure. Whatever the motive, he agreed to march into Spain, the Abbaside chiefs undertaking to raise forces from Africa and in Spain to assist him, an undertaking that they failed to carry out. With a great army of Franks, Lombards, Bavarians, and men of the southern provinces, Charles set out in the spring of 778 for Saragossa. It is with some surprise that we find him on the way laying siege to Pampluna, a city belonging to the little Christian kingdom of the Asturias, of which he demolished the walls. This was the only success of the expedition, of the details of which the chroniclers are strangely silent. All that is clear is that Charles turned homeward, taking one of the rebel chiefs with him in chains, and that on the way through the defile of the Roncesvalles, his rear guard was attacked by the wild Basques of the Pyrenees, and a number of his nobles, including Roland, the Count of the Breton March, were slain. Around this event, later ages 
wove a tissue of romance of which we shall say something in a later chapter the campaign is notable as the only unsuccessful attempt of charles to extend the frontiers of his kingdom it was left for his son and successor to retrieve his father's failure and carry the frontiers of the spanish march as far as the banks of the ebro after staying a few weeks in aquitaine possibly to avert the danger of arising there charles led his army back to francia and once more turned his attention to italian affairs these now became entangled with the fortunes and misfortunes of tassilo of bavaria we have already seen him as the rebellious vassal of his uncle king pippin and as the ally of charles at the beginning of his reign the fortunes of bavaria were naturally closely connected with those of lombardy from which it was only separated by the rampart of the alps tassilo had married a daughter of the deposed lombard king and her influence would naturally be exercised to sow dissension between her husband and the king of the franks but behind all merely personal questions lay the deep-seated antagonism between the germans of the north and the germans of the south an antagonism lasting far into the middle ages if indeed it can be said to have even now entirely disappeared there are some provinces of europe that seem to have a natural claim to an independent life and yet that have always found that independence menaced by the expansion of more powerful neighbours burgundy and aquitaine failed to make good their claim to a national life of their own bavaria more fortunate in the end only succeeded by centuries of contest in avoiding the danger of absorption in the german kingdom of the north but though charles might suspect tassilo of plotting fresh treason he could not treat a christian power ruled by his own first cousin as he treated heathen saxony or rebellious lombardy his first task was to win the pope to the support of his cause and for that purpose he visited rome in seven eighty one taking with him his wife and two of his children carloman and louis carloman was baptized by the pope and his name changed to pippin and the two boys were then anointed as kings of italy and aquitaine charles may have thought that he could satisfy the local patriotism of these two recently annexed parts of the frankish kingdom by his recognition of their local independence and probably hoped that as the boys grew up they might relieve him of the details of administration in these southern provinces the problem of bavaria was discussed by the king and the pope and hadrian whose friendship for charles had been somewhat cooled by what he regarded as inadequate support in his claims against the archbishop of ravenna and the southern dukes now agreed to join the king in sending an embassy to tassilo to require him to remember his oath of allegiance tassilo could not afford to quarrel with the church authorities on whose support his power in bavaria depended and accordingly so greatly was his heart softened that he declared his willingness to proceed to the presence of the king if such hostages could be given as would leave him no doubt of his safety these being furnished the bavarian duke repaired to worms and there solemnly renewed his oath of allegiance and gave hostages for his obedience six years passed before the affairs of bavaria again became a cause of anxiety to charles the only event of importance in these years in italy 
was the submission of Aricus, the great duke of Beneventum, to the Frankish king. In 787, Charles again visited Rome, and the matter of Tassilo's loyalty was once more discussed between the king and the pope. What new ground for suspicion Tassilo had given we do not know, but something in the attitude of the duke alienated the sympathy of the pope, who, after a last attempt at reconciliation, left Charles a free hand to deal with his recalcitrant vassal. From all sides Charles poured Frankish armies into Bavaria, and Tassilo, finding resistance hopeless, made submission, handing over to the king, in token of his surrender, a wand, the top of which was carved into the likeness of a man, an early indication of the growth of the idea of homage. But within a year Charles believed that Tassilo was renewing his schemes of rebellion, and he was summoned to Ingelheim, where he was placed on trial before the assembled magnates of the Franks, Bavarians, Lombards, and Saxons, and judged guilty of treason, the gravest charge against him being that he had invited the Avars to invade the kingdom. With all his family he was condemned to enter the monastic life, and he disappears into the monastery of Jumiege, to reappear for the last time at Frankfurt in 794, when at the great council he made a final declaration of his repentance, and renounced all claims on his Bavarian inheritance. Bavaria now passed under the direct rule of the Frankish king. The annexation of Bavaria brought the kingdom of Charles to the borders of the old Roman province of Pannonia, which was now occupied by the Avars. We have seen already how this tribe from Central Asia disturbed the Byzantine emperors and even attacked Constantinople itself. Since then they had settled in Pannonia, where they occupied themselves with agriculture and raids on the western provinces of Europe. The Bavarian dukes had been the defenders of the frontier against these heathen marauders, and Charles now took up the duty. A raid made by the Avars in 788, which was checked by the Count of the Marches, gave him an excuse for organizing a great crusade against them. The various tribes of the Avars lived in fortified kraals or rings, the largest of them being that of the Chagan, or head chief, west of the Rab. Here, protected by nine concentric ramparts, as wide across as from Zurich to Constance, the accumulated treasures of two centuries of plundering were stored. After some ineffective attempts at negotiation, probably undertaken merely to gain time for military preparations, Charles led his army against the Avars. The ground on which the Frankish magnates agreed to the expedition was the great and intolerable malice which the Avars have shown toward the Holy Church and the Christian people. The campaign started in 791 was undertaken in something of the spirit of a crusade, opening with three days of fasting and litanies. The Frankish army marched along both banks of the Danube, the commissariat being conveyed down the river in boats. The expedition was little more than a military parade. The Avars, who were divided among themselves, made no resistance, though Charles penetrated as far as the Rob returning to Ratisbon in time for Christmas. This was the only campaign against the Avars led by Charles in person. The conduct of the war fell to Eric, Duke of Friuli, a devout and noble soldier, 
who in 795 penetrated to the central fortress of the Chagan, took possession of the vast stores of treasure hoarded in his stronghold, and sent them to Charles at Aachen in fifteen great wagons. The king gave rich gifts to his nobles and sent presents to the pope and others, including Offa, king of Mercia, who received a baldric, a Hunnish sword, and two silk cloaks. In the following year, Pippin, king of Italy, completed the destruction of the Avar kingdom and drove the Avars beyond the Tice. A desultory war went on along the frontier for some years, partly against the remnants of the Avars and partly against Slavonic tribes that pressed in to settle in the vacant lands. In 799, the valiant Gerald, Duke of Bavaria, brother of Charles's wife, Hildegard, fell in contest with some Avars, and in the same year the heroic Eric of Friuli died, slain in an ambush laid by the Croatians. Paulinus, bishop of Aquileia, who had dedicated to him a book of devotional meditations some years before, now wrote a dirge for his friend, modelled on David's lament over Saul. The remnants of the Avar people accepted Christianity and settled in the Ostmark and Slav tribes filled the vacant province of the Middle Danube till a fresh inroad of Turanian people from beyond the confines of Europe, the Magyars, reoccupied the lands from which Huns and Avars had been successively driven. While these wars were going on, Charles was occupied with the internal affairs of his kingdom. In the year 783 he lost his wife Hildegard and his mother Bertha, a few months after he married Fastrada, the daughter of an Austrasian count, a woman of strong but apparently harsh and vindictive character. To her influence Einhard attributes not a few of Charles's unpopular acts during this period of his reign. An obscure revolt of the Thuringian nobles in 886 is said to have been due to her actions, and just after the first Avar campaign, Charles had to meet a more serious conspiracy, in which the leading part was played by Pippin the Hunchback, Charles's son, by an early irregular marriage. The plot was betrayed, and the leaders arrested and condemned to death. Pippin was allowed to enter the monastery of Prum, where he disappears from history. Two years later, Fastrada died, and Charles married as his fourth wife, Liutgarda of Schwabia. The year 798 was one of disturbance in the kingdom. The Avar War was still going on, and the Saxons were as usual turbulent. In addition to this, the Saracens broke into Septimania, which they ravaged, carrying off many of the inhabitants into slavery, and Grimwald, Duke of Beneventum, whom Charles had held as a hostage during his father's lifetime, but had allowed to return to the duchy after his death, threw off his allegiance and became the centre of the anti-Frankish party in Italy. A few years before this, a quarrel between Charles and the Empire led to an invasion of southern Italy by the Greeks, who were met by a combined Frankish and Lombard force under the Dukes of Spoleto and Beneventum and completely defeated. But after this, the young Duke of Beneventum grew more restive under the Frankish yoke and in 791 Pippin and Louis were ordered by their father to invade the duchy. Beyond devastating part of the territory, they do not appear to have achieved much success. 
the contest with beneventum lingered on for years resolving itself into a duel between pippin king of italy assisted by the duke of spoleto and grimwald finally the death of grimwald in 806 led to the secession of hostilities to make the account of these years complete something must be said about charles's relations with offa king of mercia now overlord of the greater part of england the two kings appear to have become acquainted in connection with offa's scheme for an archbishopric of lichfield and they carried on a correspondence for some years offa is even said to have invited charles to join him in 787 in deposing hadrian from the papal chair a little later a quarrel broke out between the two kings in connection with the proposed marriage of offa's daughter with charles's eldest son and namesake for some reason a suggestion by offa that charles's daughter bertha should marry his son aroused the frankish king's resentment for some time the relations between the two kings was strained and an embargo was laid by charles on english merchants travelling through his kingdom but the influence of alcuin was exercised in favour of peace and in seven ninety five charles writes in the friendliest terms to his beloved friend and brother offa as for pilgrims who wish to approach the threshold of the apostles let them travel in peace without any molestation let merchants pay toll at the accustomed places we take them under our protection if they have any complaints let them come to us or to our judges and they shall have justice we send herewith some dalmatics and palls from our stores to your bishop sees and to those of ethelfrid begging that you will have intercession made for the soul of pope hadrian also we send you a baldric a hunnish sword and two silk cloaks offa died soon after this and charles's further relations with england belong to a later period charles's ecclesiastical policy during the pontificate of hadrian turns almost entirely around two controversies the first of these was the so-called adoptionist heresy this was propounded by a spanish monk felix bishop of Urgell, who taught that jesus christ was a man who was adopted by god as his son having obtained from the pope a condemnation of this doctrine charles held a series of councils for its condemnation alcuin being specially the champion of orthodoxy the other was the iconoclastic controversy in regard to which it was necessary for the frankish church to define its position at the second council of nicaea irene had secured the restoration of image worship and thus brought the policy of the empire into accord with that of the pope but charles was not disposed to submit to the dictation of the eastern court and in seven ninety he caused to be drawn up an elaborate refutation of image worship the celebrated libri carolini his attitude toward the whole question was one of toleration let pictures be in the churches if so desired to preserve in the minds of the people the memory of bible stories but their presence there should be optional not compulsory and as to insisting on their being worshipped as the impertinent and arrogant council at bithynia had lately done that could in no wise be tolerated in seven ninety four charles called a council of frankish bishops at frankfurt when the seventh ecumenical council was formally condemned as neither seventh nor ecumenical but absolutely superfluous 
charles also addressed a letter to the pope inviting him to join in the condemnation of the image worshippers hadrian sent a long reply pointing out what he regarded as the errors of charles's position and winding up with the usual appeal for the restoration of the patrimonies of st peter in southern italy and sicily shortly after this hadrian died and with the appointment of his successor begins the course of events that led to the coronation of charles as roman emperor five years later End of chapter seventeen